This podcast is brought to you by the Hayden Boxing Academy, and I'm glad to say they're sponsors of this podcast. And if you haven't checked them out, I'd strongly urge you to check them out on their website, the Hayden Boxing Academy. It is a boxing slash fitness class, but it's the only one of its kind in Ireland, okay? You need to check it out. If you want to get fit, if you want to learn how to box, if you want to socialize, if you want to meet new people, it is the class for you. So go check it out. You will not regret it. They take it slow. They are very, very good at what they do. So check it out. You will not regret it. And box someone's face up. What's wrong, George? You ever wonder when it's time to stop living up here and start living down here? Yo, but what if we stop living over here and move over there? Shit, my Ashaniku used to live over there, man. But that bitch got evicted, though. Word? Yeah, this is. What for? Mice? Mice? I thought she had rats. No, man, rats are outside. Mice are inside. Yo, but what if a mouse goes outside? Does it become a rat? And if a rat is in the house, is it a mouse? I ain't never seen no mouse outside, though. That's what I'm saying. That's because it's a rat, fool. Hey. Yo, you might have just made a fact just now. That's some real shit. Welcome to part two of the season review. Welcome to part two of the review of the decade with your host, Richie Allen slash Rallen. Yes, I actually gave myself a nickname and I said it even though I am that person. So forgive me for that because that is quite literally the worst thing you can do to start a podcast. So I sincerely apologize. So I got up until 2014 the last time mainly looked at the trials and tribulations of a failed schoolboy rugby player. With 2015-2019, it kind of shows the inevitable decline and ganter towards middle age of the kind of young stage of your life. But picking up where I left off, more or less, is basically I remember a story when I was in college in, yeah, screw it, DCU, Basically, great college, really enjoyed it there, even though the drive to it was hell. It would just be 40 minutes over the toll bridge, up by Clontarf. Yeah, you get the drift. No disrespect to the toll bridge, Clontarf. I just didn't like the drive. But I remember we went uh, up there and I had my first ever group project. And we had to do a presentation. And we'd worked on it for several weeks, maybe even months at this stage. And it was about kind of uh, accepting different cultures in the workplace and how that would, how you'd go about dealing with people with different religious beliefs, different lifestyles, backgrounds, gender, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of had to get different ways of life from a country compared to yours, how you'd both integrate it in a workplace, blah, blah, blah. And I realized halfway through our kind of group meeting slash group study together was that one of the kind of group, the person in my group, one of them anyway, basically just it it wasn't an option for him. 
like as in people go through college, right? And some people are terrible at college. Some people just can't study. Some people are thick. Some people can't talk in front of more than one person, so they get nervous for presentations. Some people just nail it. Horses for courses. But this guy, the thought of doing a presentation made him about as nervous as Paul McShane facing the front tree of Liverpool. So I kind of established that halfway through and it got to the stage where when he'd go to the toilet or there'd be breaks on just he'd go there'd just be breaks between our group. It was kind of brought to the attention of the group by myself. I was like, here, Mr. Y there, he he seems very nervous. He keeps asking questions about, oh, do you think it's going to be okay? Do you think it will work? And like, it's as if he's doing a speech to accept Oscar for best film. And everyone's like, yeah, no, it'll be okay. And I was like, I just think he's really nervous. I think we need to maybe have a chat with him and just assure him it'll be all right. And they're like, no, 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 that'll just make it worse. So I was like, okay, fine. And <laughs> the day comes of the presentation from the class. And like, there's like 20, 30 people in the class. And like... <laughs> We start going, uh, there's one or two groups in front of us. They go through the presentation. It's all reasonably good. And it gets to the stage where we need to present. And the guy just, he looks really nervous. So I go, are you all right? Are you ready, Mr. Y? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just need to run to the bathroom. So I went, oh, go quickly. We'll set up while you're doing it. And turns out he comes back about 10 minutes late. So like we actually had started the presentation at this stage and I was doing my bit or my bluff and he just sat back down and (laughs) I was kind of like, why he he's like the next slide. So what the hell is going on? And what happened was the next slide was his, he had done the research on it. So I flicked to it and I'm like, Anyway, Mr. Y will now do the next one. While he's sitting down at the back of the lecture hall, I then go, yeah, Mr. Y. And then the actual lecturer goes, oh, yeah, Mr. Y, come on. You just, I don't know what's going on, but can you just do your piece here? And I'm like, this is costing me marks here. Walks up tentatively, looks around at the whole thing, bursts out crying, bursts out crying, screams at the top of his voice, I can't do this! And he legs it out of the lecture hall. No word of a lie. Legs it out. To which half of the people are shocked, kind of like, oh my God, oh my God. Well, then there was these lads at the back of the lecture hall and all you can hear is... (laughs) So it actually got to the stage where we got compensated for your man's complete mental breakdown, which was handy enough. But it was one of the most bizarre things ever. It was one of the first instances I had in college. And I was like, if this is what college is like, it's going to be a long few years. Especially when you're doing a media-based degree where more or less all the time you need to do presentations or some sort of interactive work. There's very little like actual essay writing or exams. A lot of it's very practical. But following up from that, in that same year, I so everyone knows Harvard reference and blah blah blah. I got flagged for plagiarism at one stage, so I basically, yeah, just qu- didn't even quote it. 
I just put a section and every single person who's gone to college has done this. And don't tell me you haven't because you have. I just put a section in, jiggle around a few words. And I was like, you try find that uh, plagiarism detector. Used one of the free ones on Google you can get. And I was like, oh, no plagiarism detected. I was like, Yahtzee, rock in. Handed in deadline, obviously about an hour before the deadline. Like the amount of late night essay crams I did was unhealthy. But to that, um, to the crux of the matter, three days later, get a lecture email or an email, <laughs> a lecture email, and it's my lecture. Going, hello Richie. Um, just with regards to your latest essay uh, submission, there has been plagiarism detected, and I need to speak to you. So I have a terrible habit, a really bad habit of when my bluff is called or I've I've been found out to be lying. Someone would just be like, um, so to put it into context, well, to tell the story more or less, the lecturer speaks to me and he goes, Richie, look at this passage here. I've highlighted it and it's actually from the book, blah, blah, blah. And you've seen to just copy and paste the whole thing. So what's going on there? And I went, no, I haven't. And he goes, what? And he's like, I, I didn't copy and paste anything. And he was like, no, no, no. Half the page here, pretty much word for word, is paraphrasing something that, can you even explain to me? And I went, um, he's like, genuinely, what you're talking about here is so advanced that I don't think you can actually explain to me what it means. And I went, can I have a look at it? And he goes, oh, no, I'll just give you some bullet points and you can elaborate. And I just went, uh, I forgot. I've forgotten all about the topic. Um, so I can't really comment further. So he goes, so now you're just refusing to admit that you actually plagiarized and you just won't, you won't accept it, no? And I was like, no, 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 no. So stupidly, I should have just gone, well, if I was a, a, not an idiot, I should have gone, oh, yeah, listen, I screwed up my bad. So then they investigate it. And then before I know it, I'm being summoned by the committee and the actual like thing at stake here is me being kicked out of college. And I didn't tell, I don't think I told anyone in my family, told a lot of my close friends, because imagine coming home and just being like, hi, uh, ma, da, little issue here. I copied and pasted something that I have no understanding of into my essay. I lied about it. And now I'm getting kicked out of college. They'd be like, Son, we're so proud of you. There's 50 euro. Go buy an Eddie Rockets. So, yeah, then I go in front of the committee and I just basically confessed my stupidity to them. I was like, I'm so sorry. I I, I, I just completely underestimated how stupid I am. And I was like, you're so right. I love the prestige uh, the prestige that comes with this college. I love the course. I'm integrated. I'm on an elite sports person scholarship, blah, blah, blah. Like, all of this was just waffle. But they were like, we'll keep you on. You've got a red flag against your name for the rest of your time here, but we'll let you off. So I was just like, brilliant. Like when they were asking me, they're like, even the committee, they're like, did you plagiarize? And I was like, um, no comment, but um, guilty. But yeah, that like plagiarism is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. It's a bit like people who drink drive. Like everyone, well, no, <laughs> I was about to say 
everyone does it. <laughs> yeah, so on the N11, everyone's drinking, everyone's driving. It's just craziness. It's like speeding in a car. Everyone does it once in their life, at least. A lot of people maybe, if it's a 60 kilometer hour speed limit, people might go 70. So they're breaking the speed limit. They just do it not thinking it will actually come back to bite them in the ass. And when it does, you're just like, oh, shit. And that's what happened with plagiarism. Everyone does this, but I just, I stupidly found out the wrong way that it can be serious. So, but that was, that was the main thing in 2015. Like from a holiday perspective, I remember going to Rock Virtue, the festival there in Belgium. And I remember one of the guys I went with, uh, Mr. W, he, at one stage, right, he, he, we were just like, people who go to festivals, right, you just drink all day, all night, and just keep going until it's over, more or less. And the weather was class, it was like 25 degrees, and we were drenching ourselves, saturating ourselves, lubing ourselves up with sun cream. And it quickly got out of hand because Mr. W put so much sun cream on his face that when he started sweating, it started like dripping into his eyes and stuff. And soon enough, like we were sitting in a circle, we kind of came aware that Mr. W was pissed. He was badly, badly sunburned. And the actual sun cream was dripping into his eyes, therefore blinding him. So Mr. W was just like scratching his eyes, like hands and head type stuff. And we were like, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And we're like, are you sure? He goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm terrible. And then he started like pouring beer in his face, started like swashing water up in his face. And then he just completely lost us. Took it out on us saying, like, you shouldn't have put sun cream in my face. We're like, we didn't put sun cream in your face. And then he was like, fuck you. Storm's off. So we go to see Mumford and Sons four hours later. At this stage, Mr. W was vanished. We haven't seen him at the camp for four hours. And we're at Mumford and Sons, and they're just like, I will wait, I will wait for you. And we're just like, yes. And halfway through the set, one of the lads I was with goes, lads, look up there. Look up into the piss. It's Mr. W. And we go, ah, piss off. No, it's not. And all we see is Mr. W on the shoulders of some ginger guy who none of us know and we just see mr w having the time of his life and we're like what has he completely lost his mind but what we do soon realize is or what we soon realize is like mr w is way off from a drink perspective and we then start seeing like a bit of commotion near the piss in the kind of direction where Mr. W was. And it basically got to the stage where Mr. W was seen sprinting out of the pit, jumping over the barrier and just running off, running off and then getting sick. And we were like, what is going on? And then we just see him run off into the distance. He wasn't found for like 30 hours after. It was just a case of like his head just went it was a case of like head, shoulders, knees, and toes, except like eyes, nose, skin, and head. But yeah, he, he vanished for like 25, 30 hours and then came back and acted as if nothing happened. Nothing had happened as far as he was aware. It was, it was insane. 
And then I think he actually had to go to hospital. Like, he had to leave the, yeah, he had to leave the holiday early. It was like, you're generally sunstroke and you have something wrong with your eyes now. Had some infection. 2016, all I can think of is the West Coast. A great trip. Like, there's very little I can think back to from a West Coast point of view. One of the highlights I have is, like, <laughs> just the, the trip itself, everyone needs to do it. So anyone who's 19, 20 and thinking about should they do it or not, definitely do it. I cannot stress it enough. But I recall us being in Culver City, staying in Culver City, lovely place. Well, like, all things considered. And the house we were staying in, right at one stage we were sitting in there and it's a nice lovely house in LA lovely neighborhood and we kind of it was the lights were off we were chilling there having a few casual drinks and then all of a sudden excuse me one of the guys I was staying with goes what's that on the wall and I was like what I was like what is that I was like is this a stain and like way off in the kitchen there where the lights were off we then start seeing something crawling this big kind of like cylinder shaped thing just crawling up the wall and we turn on the lights and all we see is this massive massive cockroach just crawling around the place so we immediately get every single utensil we can possibly find clothes and iron pots and pans some like people were throwing beer cans at the thing and it just kept shimmying away. Like, it, you couldn't get near it. So it was, like, shimmying, dodging everything. No one wanted to go near it because the thing was massive. Bear Grylls, if he was starving for four days, wouldn't eat it. That's how big and intimidating the thing was. And the worst part about it was when the lads gets the pan, goes, right, I'm ending this, took a swing at it, and there was a little gap between the washing machine and just a, a standard press, and he just slithers in. Honestly, just slipped in like Jamie squeezes up, squeezes in and he slips in. But yeah, like I went there the next year in 2017 with I went Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, L.A., San Diego, Vegas. And looking back on that, I remember in San Diego, the group I was with, we stayed in what was called the party house this lovely Airbnb with like a games room and stuff in it and had a keg stand. So we were like, class, surfboards, uh, dartboard, instruments, big fat TV, great kitchen, hiking trails out the back. Like we were like, this is the dream, party house. What a great name. So we buy a keg naturally and we try and install the, ke the keg. And I think your man was Andrew or something, the Airbnb owner could probably find them but yeah like the place was called the party house the wi-fi as far as i'm aware the password was one two three party party so we buy a keg and one of the guys i was staying with goes oh can you give me the airbnb's like host number and i was like why he goes oh the keg doesn't really work i want to just text him to see if it works so i went yeah there it is blah 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 he texts him and then like within two minutes, the Airbnb host replies, 
What the hell, man? You're not seriously thinking about using the keg? What the fuck? What the fuck? And like, that's how he spoke in the text. It was normal writing. Then like, what the fuck? All in capitals, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And he repeated it again. So he starts going mad. I get like five missed calls from him. And then he texts me going, remove the keg immediately or I'm calling the cops. So I was like, hang on. He's going to call the police because we've installed a keg in the party house on top of a keg stand. Like, I know American police can be loose, but I don't think, well, maybe. Imagine in court. Uh, Officer, Officer Brady. You shot a fat dwarf called Richie Allen. He was carrying a keg in his own house. Well, rented house in San Diego, California. What do you have to plead? Uh, guilty, your honor. Okay, court adjourned. Get out of here. Screw Allen. <laughs> but yeah, like the police going to kick down the door and be like, freeze, drop the keg. And I'm like, don't do it. And then they'll just go and blow me to strip me of their ends. But... Yeah, he ended up giving me a terrible review on Airbnb that night. So we were still staying for like three nights after that. And I get a notification. uh, Your host has left you a review. And it was like, this guy was a joke. He stole a surfboard. He used the keg on the keg stand. And like, I messaged him just being like, you're an absolute moron. Rechange the whole dynamic of this house to hello we only want virgins and frigids in this house okay like we literally want people to sit on a sofa not have any alcohol not go outside and lock themselves in a room while they cry listening to Coldplay. i could not get over it and yeah another one with like Vancouver was great crack. I remember that. Seattle. Seattle was interesting, as in we went into a club at one stage in Seattle and we're like fishes out of water in that place. Like we have no idea what we're doing. But we rock into a club and we went to like four different clubs that night. But the first club we go into it's kind of a weird vibe straight away. You're, you're just like, this is different to uh, coppers per se. And we're just chilling there. I was like, oh, let's get drinks, lads, blah, blah, blah. And I noticed uh, beside me there was um, like this lad basically just in briefs. Like you had no clothes on bar briefs. So I was like, that's interesting, right? Well, <laughs> Maybe you might see that in the basement and coppers, but whatever. And then we suddenly realized that we were in this, like, it wasn't even like, a, 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 like it wasn't tied down to anything. It wasn't a straight or a gay bar. It was just like, turned out when we looked on Google, it like encourages the weirdest people in Seattle just to go there. So it's not a case of anything to do with race, sexuality, anything like that. Just everyone in there was completely mental. Like even the bartenders, they would like scream at you and be like, and you'd just be like, what? And then it's like, drinks, is that an option? 
don't know why I'm making that noise, but it was so bizarre. But the mad thing was it took us like half an hour to realize that we were just these lads from Dublin surrounded by people who it was as if they had gone into Dundrum Mental Institution and just gone, right, who fancies a trip to Seattle one night and one night only will bring it to a club and you'll enjoy it. That's the type of vibe. People wore what they want. They did what they want. There's some weird shit going on and that's that stays in the confines of that club. But it was just weird. It was really weird. But yeah, disturbing. And then also with Seattle, I'm trying to think of what else would happen or what happened. Yeah, not, not a huge amount. I'm trying to think here. Oh, yeah. So our, I keep talking about Airbnb hosts. This house we stayed in Seattle. Anyone who ever is thinking of going there, go there. It's a great city. But get on to me because the, we stayed in like a four-story mansion. And it was only, I think it was between like six or eight of us. And it was like $18 a head per night. And it was incredible. But the guy who was our host, I made the stupid de- the decision to be like, Oh, uh, let's just, for the sake of the story, we'll call his name David. I was like, David, what's like good places to go to eat or, you know, if we want to have a few drinks stuff? And he goes, well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of good places to eat. A lot of good places to drink in Seattle. Like Seattle's one of the best places in the world to do that. And we're, we're like, oh, yeah, brilliant. So he starts kind of talking a little bit. And 45 minutes later, he stopped. No word of a lie. For 45 minutes, he, he pretty much went through every option in Seattle. Every option. I'm, I'm shocked that he even knew it offhand, that he wasn't scrolling religiously through Google suggestions in Seattle of where to eat. And it got to the stage where, after 10, 15 minutes, half of the lads just had to leave because the... Like, he was looking at me for the majority of this and he was kind of talking to me and then occasionally kind of adjusting his body position towards the lads to kind of involve them in the conversation. But it was it was like insane. It was absolutely mental. Like, and I don't even think we used any suggestions because once he left, everyone was like, okay, that guy's mentally unhinged. He's not to be trusted. Let's go nowhere near any of those places but he suggested everywhere in the city so we ended up going naturally i recall now playing a uh, uh, golf round so this was in the this was in the saint michael's like past pupils event and we had a photographer who went around took took pictures of us playing and i played with robbie o'flynn and Emmett mcmahon and the photographer, she hadn't like, she'd done rugby games and she knew football and stuff like that. So she wasn't really aware of how golf worked. And I remember on the first tee in Dunleary, Robbie O'Flynn was about to tee off. And the photographer's like, good luck, good luck. I can't wait. It's going to be a great day out. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait, can't wait. And she's kind of standing in front of us on the tee. And we we're expecting her to go behind stuff. And she goes, okay. When you're ready, I'll get a few action shots. And Robbie was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she then lies down, like fully lies down with the camera pointing towards Robbie, who's doing his practice swings. And she's like, yeah, yeah, when you're ready. But like, she's right in front of him. So like, she's about five meters away, 
essentially doing a plank with the camera pointing at Robbie. And Robbie was like, uh, Orla, I hope you don't mind. Um, you're meant to stand behind us, okay? And then she was like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. So she moves to, I'd say, 10 meters to the right. And we basically start getting ready for Robbie to hit a shot. And what transpires is Robbie kind of whispered to me and I'm being like, I'm probably going to hit her now. And no word of a lie. He takes his tee shot and she's like 60 degrees right. Like he has to really slice it to hit her. He shanks the ball. The ball flies by her head. I'm talking about 30, 40 centimeters away from smacking her in the face. And all you hear is the actual camera shot. And she goes, wow, Robbie, great shot. And then he was like, I all took her head off. Trying to reach the green from here, shooter? That's not possible. I beg to differ. Happy Gilmore accomplished that feat no more than an hour ago. Well, moron, good for Happy Gilmore. Oh my god! It was um, interesting enough. And then, like, moving on, 2018, I went to Barcelona. One thing that I loved about it. So what goes on tour stays on tour. I'm a firm believer in that. But one of the things that really, really caught my eye in Barcelona. So I'm sure a lot of my listeners have been to Barcelona. And it's very much a place where there's pickpockets everywhere. Every single place you go, especially the clubs by the beach, opium, etc. There's just these like essentially little rats that run around trying to pickpocket people. And it's not a case of like they're sly about it. They kind of bump into you and then slip a finger into the pocket and take it. They honestly, it's shocking. They actually go and try take your money just off you. They come up to you and just start grabbing your pockets and stuff. It's that bad. But, oh, like, anyway, I remember I once, someone tried to nick stuff off me several years ago. I went in, like, January with a a group of mates, and I was just walking into a club, and some guy just grabbed my pocket, tried to grab my wallet. And I was like, excuse me, this doesn't happen in D4. Goodbye. But anyway, when I was over there, it was, like, 6, 7 in the morning. And we hear a lot of commotion on the beach. So what happens in Barcelona is if you go to the clubs near the beaches, or the beach, I should say, is that everyone kind of spills onto the beach at like six o'clock. And it just like people start swimming, people continue drinking. But then the pickpockets like get going. They're like, oh, they're drunk. Let's try make make an example of them. So then we come across these group of Americans. And like one or two of them are jacked. Your stereotypical jock from America and <laughs> they're saying I'm gonna get that man I'm gonna fuck him up man Jacob you gotta get him and like they have their tops off shredded to the bone they're with them um, obviously I don't know if they're their girlfriends but they're girls with them anyway and they were all in hysterics like they were some of them were laughing some of them were crying 
this girl in particular was just like, it's like bawling her eyes out. I actually felt terrible for her because her handbag and like her shoes and like her phone all got nicked. And just, yeah, these lads just cornered her, grabbed the thing and then legged it off. But this guy, Jacob, right? If I'm making an assumption, he does CrossFit. He's just, he's got one of the CrossFit bodies, right? And his mate goes, Jacob, Jacob, man, Jacob. And Jacob's like, what, man? What? I'm fucking pissed, man. Because Jacob, there's one of the guys there. And like 60 meters away was this little gremlin of a pickpocketer just kind of staring. It's kind of like, you know, when you see a stray cat in the road and you kind of just go, and it kind of gives you the sudden like head turn and the eyes are just glaring at you. That's the look on the Spaniard. Well, I presume he was a Spaniard pickpocketer, a local guilty. And he had that look in his eye. And Jacob honestly just kind of turned and went, right, hold my beer. No word of lie. Gave his beer to his mate, took off his shoes, and honestly, like in Terminator 2, you know when the Terminator is just chasing after them in the car? Or say, Homer Simpson in The Simpsons chasing after Ned Flanders. Neddy! Let's get in a quick nine down at the pigeon putt! That's honestly what it was like. But it gets to a stage where he just takes off Jacob. And he goes, I'm going to fuck you up, man. I'm going to fuck you up. And he chased him up the beach, which is like a mile long. And he catches him. He catches him. And I don't think your man had anything on him, but we could see off in the distance. Your man, Jacob, just started laying into him. Laying into him. So much so that when he left him, your man was just lying there motionless on the ground. And what made it worse was he comes back and your man, right, had a wallet with him. It was none of their wallets. And he was like, man, do we know a a Damien, a Damien? And like me, a few of the lads were like, no, no, no. He's like, he's after taking Damien's wallet. Damien, is there a Damien here? I don't want Damien's wallet all night. So then he ends up just fucking Damien's thing into the beach, onto the sand. So it was just like a a terrible recycling campaign of evilness. But just beware of pickpocketers is all I'll say. It is dangerous. It is really, really dangerous. And that leads me to 2019. Like... Not a huge amount stands out. Christmas stands out. This The Christmas that has just gone, so much so, it, uh, like, I think it was seven consecutive days in a row, like three or four days of work, uh, dinner down in Leash. So in the space of 24 hours, right, I was late for work, overslept for work by an hour and 45 minutes. It was still, like, half half gargled when I went in went out that night ended up being in coppers till 
five or six, ended up um, waking up. And I, as Blink-22 say, I fell in love with the girl at the rock show. I fell in love with a girl in the basement of Coppers. But anyway, that's only necessary as the story progresses. I wake up on a sofa the next morning at about eight o'clock and it's the weekend. So I'm like, thank God. But then suddenly I realize the back of my mouth is very parched as if I'd just been severely dehydrated or whatever, or I'd been screaming all night, which were both liable options. But I start kind of going to clear my throat, be like, and I just can't clear it, just cannot clear my throat. So upon further inspection, I look in the mirror and you know the thing, the wriggly thing at the back of your throat, it's called the uvula or uvula, one or the other. That had grown, I think the doctor said six times its normal size. So it was so bad that it was actually hanging. It would dangle down my throat. I'd choke on it. Then it'd be dangling out of my mouth. So I was like, right, this is, this is not good. This is definitely an issue. So get me to hospital. End up going and seeing, going to the hospital. The doctor was so shocked at it because he was like, and what's the, and he's just quite literally like, oh my God. He hadn't seen it in 11 years in work. But yeah, they basically had to inject me and then give me a shot of steroids. And the worst part about it was my father insisted on sitting in with me. So the doctor was like, do you take drugs? I'm like, no. And I was like, okay, do you smoke? And I was like, no. And then they were like, okay, um, were you out last night? And I was like, uh, you know, yes. Because like my dad was just staring at me, just waiting for me to crack. And then he was like, okay, were you sharing drinks with anyone? Did you kiss anyone? And I was like, no, 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 no. And he was like, that's very strange. The doctor was like, that's very, very strange then. I don't know how this could happen then, so to speak. So eventually my dad did go to the bathroom and I had to come clean with the doctor. And I was like, listen, I don't do drugs. I never touch any of those hardcore drugs. I haven't smoked in well over a year. And I was like, um, how do these things happen? And she was like, well, often, you know, if you share drinks with someone or if you end up kissing someone, you could get some sort of infection. So I was like, right. Right. So anyway, three days later, three days of steroids later, I was fully healed. But <laughs> going in and trying to speak on a phone in work while your uvula is like three times the size it normally should be. So instead of being like, oh, yeah, how are you today? It was like, oh, yeah, how are you? You good? You good today? Yeah, it's going to be good, isn't it? You sound like you're, you're honestly, number one, either having a mental breakdown, number two, you're quite literally seven seconds from being dead. Like that's that's how I envision the last seven of my last seven seconds of my life sounding like. And then just, but yeah. Apart from that, I'm trying to think of the last. Like Julia's is something I'd love to bring up again, and I'll definitely do another podcast on that down the line. 
But yeah, I've covered all that. Like with Julius, the one regret I have about Julius was the brawl, the infamous brawl. And I mentioned it on the podcast, supposedly five minutes after I left Sunday, uh, Julia festivities, there was a massive brawl involving about 20 lads. It was just like, I keep I keep bringing up this reference, but it was like the Stone Cold reference again. It was like, Stone Cold is fucking anything. Oh, yeah! It's Austin! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! For God's sakes! Stone Cold is back! He's fucking The bell is wrong! I don't think Austin even knows it! This is not a wrestling match! But it, it's, it's just weird. But yeah, with relation to what else I have, I did a few like lists. So I did like best teams, all that type of stuff. So over the decade, I thought maybe give the top five TV shows and stuff like that because people were asking on the Instagram. And TV show wise, I've gone for number five, Breaking Bad, number four, True Detective, number three, Twin Peaks. Number two, Chernobyl. Number one, The Staircase, the documentary on Netflix. I actually had the defense lawyer, David Rudolph, on the podcast. So anyone has seen The Staircase, I'd strongly suggest you listen to that podcast. And I'd strongly suggest if you haven't seen The Staircase, go and watch it. It's still on Netflix. It is absolutely incredible. I think it's like eight, ten episodes. It is It is absolutely phenomenal. I actually, sorry... I'm actually going to put the O.J. Simpson and the assassination of Versace in there as well. That was those two shows were absolutely brilliant. They're both on Netflix as well. So if you haven't seen them, go see them. <coughs> With regards to albums, I did top five again. So this is really biased, but number five would be nine by Blink One Eighty Two. Their best stuff since 2003, Untitled. Number four, um, Damn by Kendrick Lamar. I haven't really, to be honest, I haven't really liked most of his recent stuff. And I know it's been great and really well met by his fans and critics. But I just thought that first, The Damn, like, was just such a raw and just... You just felt like like I'm not a massive Kendrick Lamar fan or even a hip hop fan, but listening to that, you're like, shit, this guy, this guy is not just hype. He is, he is like the latest Eminem. Could be wrong, but I'm sure that's my take take on it. Number three, AM by Arctic Monkeys, like banger after banger after banger. Fireside five oh five. Do I want to know? Arabella, Jesus, like that album, the riffs, the lyrics, and the actual tone of it. Uh, like I, I genuinely can't think. They're one of the few bands now, the very few bands, where the, every single album is at least a 7.5, 8 out of 10. There's not a single other rock band who have done that as consistent as the Arctic Monkeys now over the last 15 years. Every single album is absolutely incredible, no matter what direction they take it. So credit to them. Number two is Royal Blood, self-titled album, Royal Blood. Not so much it was the greatest album ever, but it was just a... 
it was proper rock and roll. And what made it more impressive was the fact it was just a bass guitar and a drummer. And I remember seeing them in rock virtue as well. And the sound they create, you just like since Queens of Stone Age, you hadn't heard a rock act like that. And the fact there was only two men just was insane. And then number one was Lil Peep, Come Over When You're Sober, part one. And obviously Lil Peep has passed away since the release of that album. And it's obviously a trend that seems to be all too familiar. So many hip hop artists seem to be taking their own lives or dying in suspicious circumstance. But that album, and as I said, I'm not a massive hip hop slash rap fan, but it was pretty bloody incredible. And with regards to sporting moments, of the decade, Miracle of Medina is obviously the obvious one. That would be number five. Even though I absolutely hate him and detest everything he stands for, I think Conor McGregor winning the UFC Championship finally was a big, big moment with all the hype. And to be fair, like what he did to the sport and what he did for the Irish community was big. Made the interest in the sport like not even double in size. Like, fucking, he got so many people on board. I'd say Tiger Woods winning the Masters, number three. Incredible scenes. And I still back him to win more majors as well. He's not done yet. Leicester City winning the league would be number two. And then number one, which probably still remains the greatest moment of my life, is Liverpool-Barcelona. Liverpool losing the first leg 3-0. Me getting slated for spending X amount of money on a trip to a meaningless game. Uh, with my old man and Liverpool without Firmino and Salah, arguably their two best players were definitely the most important and the best player. Uh, we still managed to beat the so-called best team in Europe. 4-0 and Jesus Christ, that was the last time I have bawled my eyes out over sport. I'm not ashamed to say it. Lastly, the best comedy skits of the decade is one I just wanted to do. So number five would be the Savage Eyes skit of the Catholic Church. It was absolutely hilarious. Uh, Chris D'Elia's uh, Catholic Church skit comes in at number four. But nobody's creepier than the priest. Not for obvious reasons, but here's what. <laughs> Don't all like I did it. It's creepy. Here's even creepier than that, because they'll sing for no reason at all. <laughs> Right? Every few minutes I hit the same five notes, just oh, oh, oh. Yo, why are you doing that for no reason? Oh, oh, oh. Everything is his song. Every sentence, every story, everything. Just Jesus came down, talked to Mary and Joseph and the Holy Spirit. Came down, talked to three wise men. Three wise men traveled to Nazareth, joined the lamps, came to Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, talked to the disciples, said, double doctor, said, came down, said, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I feel like he hits those five notes whenever he forgets how the rest of the story goes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just Jesus came down, talked to Mary and Joseph and the Holy Spirit. Came down, talked to three wise men. And then they traveled through, and then I kind of just all went to Best Buy. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, yo, hey, did you just say they went to Best Buy? Huh? 
No, I definitely didn't say they went to Best Buy. Best Buy was only established 50 years ago. Then it was franchised. Oh. Number three, Mick the Taxi Man. So just go on YouTube, type in Mick the Taxi Man if you haven't seen it. Number two would have to be Frankie Boyle's sketch of Michael Jackson's Children's Hospital. I'm going to tell them they're okay and send them home to the mama. But it won't be the mama. It'll be me. Dressed up as the mama and some Mrs. Doubtfire kind of makeup. And they'll wake up on their first night home to hear me screaming, You're not okay! You're not okay! Space. It was just like incre- uh, grotesque, but absolutely hilarious. Number one, uh, Jack Gaines. Still to this day, I remember watching that in Vancouver, surrounded by 12, 15 lads, and every single person was in stitches laughing. Like not one person didn't find it funny. And oh, it just, even watching it today, it's some of the best stuff ever. An honourable mention has to go to Bob Lipstick, a video I did myself of a guy I know. But, yeah, I'd love to make another one of those videos. They're so stupid, but I'd probably get sacked and brought to court if I did it again. But, yeah, that wraps up the podcast. And next on the pod is going to be... Hopefully the school's won, so the lineup will be different this year. We will be changing the format. We will be changing the content. We will be changing a lot of things. So as great as last year's was with uh, the Bullet and Gilso, there is time for change. And next podcast, as I said, we'll be focusing on the school side of things. Then also I'm having Kevin Briggs on. If you don't know who he is, I suggest you go onto YouTube and type in Kevin Briggs and listen to his TED Talk. Basically, he was a Californian highway patrol officer who worked in suicide prevention, and he managed to convince over 200 people to not take their own lives from jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Obviously, pretty heavy content there, but I genuinely cannot wait to speak with him. Then I'm looking at a lead singer of a band. I actually put in my top five albums of the decade. I will be looking at getting a rugby player, professional World Cup winning rugby player on. And then one or two other people on. And as I said, familiar faces coming on as well. So watch the space. Hope you enjoy the decade review. If you didn't, I'm sorry. Go listen to an old one. Maybe some of my new ones will be better. And yeah, as always, thank you for listening. If you have any ideas, send them on. If you have any ideas for any upcoming podcast, send them on. If you want to become a patron, there's links all over my Facebook, Twitter, and this podcast itself. Any support goes such a long way because it pretty much allows me to pay for subscriptions, pay for equipment, and it is all I'm asking for is quite literally $1 a month. So it's about €10 a year. Put that into perspective. You'd spend €10 in, like, the stuff you spend €10 on is so small. You spend 20 quid probably on coffee every week. But anyway, without um, 
getting into a rabbit hole about coffee. I want to thank everyone for listening. It's been nearly four years now since I started this adventure, so to speak, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it up until now. And yeah, I really do hope to keep it going. And yeah, roll on another decade. Well, not really.